and we have cat ears the entire podcast. Uh, welcome to another episode of More Than Dice. I'm Gonzo. I'm John. I'm Nerd. Welcome to episode 274. Uh, today we're going to be talking about how we play the games we play and why we play the games we play. Um, mostly it's going to kind of center around like role playing, but it also will, you know, go into some miniature gaming. Um, and it's going to be like, you know, why do we choose the games we do? Um, how do we play those games the way we play them? Um, but before we do that, let's go ahead and get to the nitty gritty. We want to thank Creature Caster, the makers of awesome, awesome miniatures and working on the Judgment Eternal. Um, don't forget, if you like 5th edition modules, you can join their tribe and uh, download uh, a module a month and roughly 10 models that go with the module. Um, very good detailed stuff. Uh, 3D printed STLs. Um, been printing a lot of their things. We want to thank Turbo Dork. Um, Turbo Dork makes awesome uh, color shifting, or what they call them, turbo shifting paints and good metallics. Um, and uh, they're one of our good sponsors for Warfare Weekend. We want to thank Midnight Heroes. Oh, and don't forget, we got the pallets, uh, the silicone well, pallets. I, I, I picked up the shirt off, and one of these things actually, all of it came out. <laughs> all the dried paint came out. Yeah. Uh, next week we will give away a gift certificate to Turbo Dork, um, uh, and so you can win and get some cool stuff from them. Um, let's go back to Midnight Heroes. We want to thank them. They're doing good chibi miniatures. They're going to be at Warfare Weekend, and they just released the picture of the exclusive Warfare Weekend model, uh, chibi, mo- chibi pirate model, Avera. Uh, which will be on sale at Warfare Weekend. Um, I did get an advanced copy, and uh, I'll probably be painting that on air uh, probably next week. Um, and then let's see who else we got. Um, we've got uh, Parabellum War Games, uh, makers of Conquest. Make sure you check out that game if you get your, like a good uh, rank and flank game. Uh, you can go ahead and get in there and get uh, some awesome miniatures. I mean, who doesn't like orcs running dinosaurs? Um, we want to thank Muse on Minis for hosting the podcast and getting it out to the peoples. Um, make sure you check them out. There's a lot of different podcasts on there. Um, not just ours, uh, but also don't forget that we do have channels that are underneath our banner that we help, you know, get their, uh, get, get their name out and get their, their podcast out to everybody else because, you know, we just try to help each other out. Uh, the Boker Broadcast, uh, Tried and True, which, uh, by the way, well, Boker Broadcasts are very awesome, and Seth is an amazing runner. Um, the Tried and True people just released a web page that uh, if you're looking for War Machine players, you can click in your area and see if you can find out who they are, uh, which is, uh, a, they do it for free. There's no money involved. It's just, hey, here's a website. And, oh, I'm looking for people in this area. You can click it, find people in the area. And find out where they play, which I think is pretty good. Uh, and tried oh. and true people are just good people at heart, anyway. Uh, did I miss anybody? Don't think so. I don't think I did. I think I got everybody. So, um, almost like you should have a checklist. Yeah, I should probably. Well, I've been doing this for what six, almost six years. I should probably know this by now. But sponsors change, and sponsors come, and sponsors go. You know, someone once told me memory is the first thing to go. Oh, well, fuck yeah, I'm old. Let's, let's not forget I don't about that. I remember who that was, though. 
Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> um, but guys, um, we do have some shout outs this week and um, I don't remember who they were either. And some of them I don't even recognize. I did it on purpose. I can think of one. Uh, I at least know two more besides the one I know you're going to know. Okay. Because you're going to go with Dumbledore, the second Dumbledore. Yes. Michael Gambon, yep. 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 I don't know who the rest of them were. Uh, David McCollum, who played uh, Ducky on NCIS, in addition to being uh, Ilya on the first The Man from Uncle, plus a bunch of other stuff yeah. in between. Because that's like, you know, beginning and end of career, and it's like fucking years and years between. He also wrote music. Yeah. It was very enjoyable. I decided to see him go. I, know, I think he had retired from NCIS a while ago, but... Yeah. Much like me, I haven't watched it yet in a while, but he was very enjoyable on it. Um, I even saw some early episodes of Main Funkle. He was enjoyable on that as well. Those are pretty much the things that I saw him on besides when he and uh, his Man from Uncle co-host, who's uh, Robert Vaughn, both uh, guest starred on an episode of The A-Team, which was funny. Nice, nice. Uh, and then the other one I know is uh, Brooks Robinson, who was a longtime uh, Baltimore Oriole, very beloved in the city, and mm. people were very excited to see him go. Plus, I think there was a Boston Red Sox Wakefield who just passed. I'm not super familiar with the Boston Red Sox. They're kind of the enemy, but still sad to see someone go when it did not look. I don't think he was of age. I think it was tragic. I mean, it's all tragic, but, you know, Tim Wakefield, that's him. Yeah, 57. So, I mean, that's very tragic. I've seen... Uh, trying to see if I can find out. How oh, would he pass from... No, really? Hold on. No, I can't find it because this is... They don't like me blocking ads. <laughs> go figure. Uh, brain cancer, apparently. So, that's... Oh. Extra Ooh. cancer can go fuck itself. Fuck um, cancer. Fuck cancer, yeah. Fuck cancer! So there you go. So it's, it's it was a heck of a week. Um, get worried because they usually come in threes, and that means another actor and another sports figure. Um, John, what are you drinking tonight? Um, I have a gin gin mule, which is like a mule, just instead of uh, vodka. I'm using gin. And the other part of the gin is because you use ginger beer. Gin, because you're using ginger beer? Mm-hmm. That's why they call it gin gin meal. I'm not a, I'm not a ginger person. Don't no, you're not. Your hair's, like, much more brownish. and I mean, perfect. That's going gray. Whatever. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I am drinking uh, Wicked Grove Caramel Apple Hard Cider again this that week. That sounds good. Yeah. Good old Aldi. Um, I am still taking it easy. I just recently got over all of my allergy stuff and everything. And so I am drinking water. (laughs) Take it easy. I am taking it easy. 
It's the only drink I've had all week. So I'm just taking it easy just for a little bit more because I've got, you know, just getting over the stuff. I am 100% not judging, sir. If you want to drink water from now to the time, you do you. So I'm going to be drinking the water for a bit, making sure I'm good and hydrated, especially with all the work that I'm walking I've been doing. Uh, every day at work, I've been doing about thirteen to 15,000 steps a day. So I need to keep hydrated. Yeah. Type stuff. So um, guys, like usual, make sure you take care of yourself. Make sure you look after each other. If you see something, say something. If you hear something, say something. And if you can do something, do something. If you can't, find someone that will. Cheers. 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 Well, the recipe I found adds a little bit of simple syrup in it, and it's just enough to just take the edge off it, make it from becoming too, I don't know, too much bite. What kind of gin did you use? Um... Bombay Sapphire? Oh, I saw that face. <laughs> no, I, I don't like Juniper, so I still have yet to find a gin that I like. Um, The first batch I got was Beefeater. It was fine. I like this better. There's more to the flavor. It's not just, like, drinking fucking pine salt. I mean, it's yeah, not I like don't wanna... but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, gin's tough like that. It's also hard to find around here. A lot of the smaller stores don't have it or don't have it like a good selection of it. Hmm. I mean, this is, we're very much redneck here. They're not very gin people. <laughs> Fair. Let's be honest, there's a lot of Miller Light and shit going around. Hey, Art of Michael. Mm, tasty. Oh, yeah, this is just the right level. You don't really get any of that, you know harshness of the gin just get some good flavors from it i had an apple cider mule while i was that had like ginger beer and stuff in it it was very good that sounds very good actually shit <laughs> makes me makes man mean so drink up and let's try it <laughs> um so this last week i for people that were having Listen to the pre-ramble. I played my Dark Urges uh, portion of Baldur's Gate, which the Dark Urges is you play pretty much evil as hell. You do a lot of bad things. I'm not going to spoil it for people that are going to do it. And actually, it's some really hard choices um, in the game just to be bad. And there's a lot of negative choices uh, and negative things happen to you for being bad. And there's some pretty violent things that happen. Um, but I wanted to do it because I want to experience the whole gambit of the game. Um, for people know, I played it as a semi pretty good character, um, and played the game and beat it and was happy with it. Did try a very goody, goody, goody two shoes version of it. Um, but I didn't see much of a change. Not, not enough to make me go, oh, okay, I want to continue this. And that's the reason why I decided to do a dark urges and man, this it this this was pretty there's some pretty shocking scenes um and i was like i'm not gonna be able to i'm gonna finish it but it got me thinking about when i play rpgs now i usually depending on my class and depending on how i build and also depending on 
who I'm playing with depends on how and what my character is going to do. But for the most part, when we're playing, we're always going to ask the GM, hey, what type of campaign is this? Is this going to be a silly campaign? Is this going to be, you know, you know, what's the theme type stuff? Uh, nerd is always going to be, you know, always, she's always doing like a lot of silly stuff, which is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm actually going more serious this round. Whoa. Usually you got pretty silly. I've already kidnapped a child and, and murdered her brother. Okay. Wow. And then the first within the first session. I, I, I like when I run, I, I run a little bit darker. Uh, type of things. Uh, doesn't mean that there's not comedy and fun in it, but I usually run a little bit darker campaigns, a little bit more serious campaigns. John, what when you typically are building something, what's your kind of your go-to? Um, well, I mean, I have stuck with the same players, so everything ends up being silly at some point. <laughs> Which, that's sure. what it seems like. It always starts off of, it always starts off as Lord of the Rings and end up as Monty Hall at the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we don't really even start off Lord of the Rings. We might have the idea of Lord of the Rings, but we end up fucking immediately being silly. I mean, but um, so something you said gave me some pause is you shouldn't have to ask the GM what type of campaign it is. That should be part of the elevator pitch, which we've talked about many, many times. Correct. That should be pretty clear from the get go. Yes. It, it, it is. I'm just saying that, you know, when the GM's like, hey, I want to run something, you're like, hey, what type of game are you going to be running type stuff? And that, you know, if if you've got a good gaming group, they've already you've, you've kind of got it established and you kind of know unless the GM's like, hey, this is what I run or this is what I want to run. This is the theme that I want to go with and such. And now for me, I like a little bit more dark, uh, a little bit more realistic. I don't like the silliness as much. Uh, doesn't mean that it can't be. Um, it's just, I like a good dramatic story when I role play. Um, and I've had players that have always wanted to say, Hey, I want to, I want to play this game and I'm going to, you know, we're cause in the, in the grand scheme of things, we're all there to have fun. Let's not forget that we're all there to have fun. That, no matter what other people say, that is how you win a role playing game. Yes. You all have fun. Um, but I've had players that say is, Hey, I want to be a little bit evil or the story has progressed and like the bad guy has given them something, you know, that they can't pass up. And they're like, hey, I kind of want to be evil. I want to kind of backstab the party. It's like the end of the, you know, the story or whatever, or at a certain part. And I'm like, OK, um, I get that. I, I've I've tried doing that. And as a player. And that campaign has yet to bring that to fruition because that's been on hold indefinitely. <laughs> I, uh, no. I would very much give it pause if someone asked me that because the other players aren't going to have fun with it very likely. Yeah. And I... that becomes putting one player's fun above the other. So it's, it's, I would definitely have to give it some thought before I would let something like that go because that's the main thing is. All of the players should have agency in the story. Yeah. Yeah. So giving it one, like, I know what they want to do. Like, I've had one player, you know, do stupid shit and say, like, I'm going to do this and then write the character out. He's like, I'm not going to play the character anymore. And they put a new character in. So it's cool because that becomes something where it's just 
outside uh, complications on what they're doing. I, I was going to say, one of the things that usually happens, either A, it's at the very end of the story, and this person, I had a campaign, an Earthon campaign, and this guy didn't stop the players from doing what they were doing, but when it came down to the big bad guy, he stabbed him in the back at the very end of the story, um, because there was a definite end to the story. Uh, and he didn't really stab them in the back. He just joined the other side and started fighting for the other side. Um, and that went through. And it was the end of the campaign. Nothing bad, really bad happened. No characters, you know, went bad. But then I also had someone said, hey, uh, this character I see going to the dark side. And I'd like to go to the dark side, but I don't want to play the character after the character's gone to the dark side. I want you to turn it into an NPC. And I go, okay, I can do that. That's no problem whatsoever. He's like, and then I'll make another character who comes in. And I'm like, <laughs> I like that more than anything. If it's in the middle of a campaign or well, yeah, in that area. Because you can play it through the game and it might evolve to something different when, you know, they start acting on those, if you will, dark urges during the game and the other PCs notice and you might get, you'll get some good role playing out of it very likely. Yeah. But what else is, you know what a campaign's going to end? I can tell you that I have run many, many a campaign, and most of them don't have civic endpoints just because uh, in that place, I'm much more sandbox. Get the world, get some basic stuff for them to do, and then let them do what they fucking want. See, I, I run, like, here's my story that I want to tell, and I want y'all to partake it. Here's here, You know, I don't tell them what the end point is. You know, the journey to get to the end point is the the whole thing. But at one point, eventually the story will end. And that's whenever this one campaign, it was very much, I mean, and we we played it for two years. So it wasn't like it was like a, you know, one shot or, you know, a few months. It was a long, long campaign. And this character got tempted by the dark side. And at the very end of the last battle... Of you know, fighting these people, it was they're riding off to go fight the bad guy, and this character goes, mm, "You know what? I like what the bad guy's doing. I see where he's coming from. I'm gonna join him." And everybody was like, "Oh shit," type thing. And so they, you know, but it played out, and it was a good story, and everybody enjoyed it. Thought it was a lot of fun. Well, the only game I've played that had an endpoint was uh, Three Gnomes and a Half Giant, which I ran a little <laughs> bit ago. And that's because one of the players was leaving. So I'm like, well, he's leaving, so we're going to have to have a set endpoint. So I ran that one with an endpoint in mind. It ended pretty good. But most of the ones, we we, we don't necessarily run like that, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, that, and that was something that came up when I was playing this Dark Urges, because I was like, you couldn't play this. As, you know, a, you know, RPG because of what was going on and how evil you're doing stuff because you're, you got players that are just going to leave. They're like, no, that's not what it's going to be about. Um, unless you're so starting out The game would always be, yeah, you, your game, you would start off with that. Like, hey, we're going to play the bad guys. Correct. You guys get to all do the bad guy stuff you wanted to do. That would be interesting for yeah. like a short one. That would one I would run with an end point in mind. But, you know, otherwise, no, you're not going to turn evil in the middle of it necessarily because most of the players aren't going to like that you know that's one of those things they would uh people betray them they take that shit personally (laughs) but also you know it it, i I think some people and we've said this before numerous times that if somebody says they want to play evil you can play evil but you don't have to be a dick 
Yes. And that's the line that I have not crossed with my character is that like I I've been slowly hinting that my character is going evil, so it's not going to be a complete surprise when the party may or may not have to kill me, but I actually want them to kill me because it gives me powers. Well, also, it's the thing is people think being evil suddenly means, you know, all this stuff. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. Like, people who are evil still have friends. Oh, yeah. these are still my friends. I've adventured with them for years. I don't want them dead. They they yeah, helped me with my goals. Because I've made it my end goal for the character to be if you can't if you can't defeat them or if you can't kill them, become them. Well, there is there's, there's been a rule in hell. <laughs> yep. I mean, most well, well, my characters are more of the blaze of glory go, glory go down fighting but you know are they I friends or minions that's pretty good uh, morally questions well what's the thing is so <laughs> that's a common thought and there's nothing wrong with it but people think that just because you're evil you can't have friends and people you care about and that's not true yeah that's like if you look at all of the evil characters in movies and media that we actually are like man i, I actually kind of like that guy it's not because we like their goals. It's because they have honor and convictions. They just believe differently. And they're not necessarily wrong. It's just that they have a different point of view. You know? So I would you think that Thanos to, had friends? Uh, the Thanos as they wrote him? No. Because, like, respect <laughs> everyone who likes uh, that particular villain. He's not a fucking good villain. <laughs> what would be, what would be I mean, a good villain that has... Has friends and stuff like that that actually um, you, that you could you, you could you could put that relationship to. Well, I mean, there you go, Xanderboy did Vulture from Spider-Man: Homecoming. He cared about his people. Yep, he is a villain, and mm-hmm. he's an adversary. But it's not like he's you know got no morals at all. Correct. True. There's a lot of them that are written, especially in comic books. Doctor Doom. Fox Bat. That's a that's a character from a champions role playing game. He's actually one of theirs. He's he's Deadpool before Deadpool, but not as violent. Gotcha. You know, you get very Deadpool vibes from him, but he's not like super violent. In fact, he's the opposite of violent. He's like the perfect type of golden age silly villain who's not murderous or anything stupid like that. <laughs> Well, he thinks he's in a comic book, and the heroes need a proper villain in the comic book, right? Yeah. So he's going to be the proper villain. But there, yeah, there's a lot. Like, like Doctor Doom, um, I was talking about to somebody earlier about one of my favorite villains is fucking the, uh, the operative from Serenity. Mm-hmm. He would have people he cares. He cares about the people. That's what breaks him in the end. He just understands his goal is... He is going to be the one who does the things that have to be done. He is the ends that justify the means. And he's okay with that to a point until he's not. And he realizes, you know, the the, the greater evil of the government who doesn't care. That's the kind of thing where you can do that. Correct. You can have bad guys who, who, who team up with their, um, fucking, uh, hold on, Farscape, sort of middle oh. season. Scorpius was actually, you know... He has people he cares about. He's not just killing everyone because he's, you know, a cold-blooded murderer. That's, that's 
let's be honest, terrible writing. But I don't want to say terrible. It's very cliched writing to get the point of a villain across. You know, the villain who shoots people just because he can. Correct. Yes, the smoking man from uh, X-Files. I was just trying to remember. <clears throat> you know, you get other villains who have more nuanced things. Like, uh, you know, um, top of my head, Die Hard. Mm. The villains from, from the four first four Die Hard movies, I haven't seen the fifth one because I have standards, all care about it when certain ones of their minions get killed. Yeah, they may have disposal minions, but they have people they care about. I'm like, oh, that, that, you know, Hans Gerber didn't like that all those people were getting killed. He actually cared about He didn't care, but he was interested in their well-being enough. He wasn't just shooting his minions because they're fucking failing. Uh, yeah. The colonel from uh, fucking Die Hard 2 was upset when his, you know, guy who, who worked with him helped him play this got killed. And then... Um, some of the bad guys, maybe not so much, but some of them in uh, Die Hard 3. But Die Hard 4, like the main Timothy Oliphant, is upset when his main henchman is killed. It's not like, you know, people take it just because she's a woman. and he, there, was no, there was nothing laid out sexual between them. It's just, this was an effective person upset that she was killed. But then again, he had people who were just hired on, and he's like, we got to get room to cover loose ends. There, there's nuance to it. And I think that's important. And we sort of gotten off topic. I apologize. No, but it, it, it brings a good point because I've had people say they want to play evil before. And they're like, oh, they've all gotten together. They've you know gone a little, a little bit of an adventure. They got a little bit of money. And the guy's like, okay, while everybody's asleep, I'm going to stab everybody in their sleep. That's not evil. That's no, just that's insane. That's yeah. That That's just crazy. You're a murderer of a boat. Yeah. 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 I mean, is it murder. is evil, but it's not the same thing. There, there are yeah. levels to it. I mean... Like, my character ahead. has no intention of screwing over the party. Oh, yeah. They they're going to they're gonna think that she took all these evil powers or these dark powers because she is turning evil when, in fact, I mean, yes, a little bit. But for the most part, she's still the same person and still cares mm -hmm. about them. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That, that I think that's good. If you can write that into a game, then that's how we're, where sort of the evil party or turning evil at the end, the heel turn at the end is okay. But I think we get too used to cliched portrayals of villains and forget that there might be some nuance there. Well, excuse me. There's also, you're playing a game with a bunch of friends. Yeah. Um, you're there for having... Fun, and I don't. I don't have a problem if somebody wants to play an evil character, as long as it's not just I'm going to stab everybody in the back, or I'm going to stab everybody in their sleep, or you know, doing that. This, so, that's not th evil. Th this that's... is where like the D and D alignments are very excessively, needlessly constraining. They are trying too hard to define stuff that's not fully definable, uh, and. In a rare statement that don't expect to hear too often. I think the Palladium books, since they're one of the first, uh, let's say, riffs off of D&D, actually did much better with their alignments where they made three different types where you have, you know, kind of good and good, and then you have selfish alignments, and then the, the more evil alignments, but even those have nuance to them. You know, because let's be honest, there's a fine line between evil and selfishness. You could just be in it for more power for yourself, but you don't want your friends to get hurt. You know, there's there's a lot of things there. And I, I think anytime 
you let players look at that, you need to make sure they know what line. It's not all going to be, you know, Stanley Whiplash tying the people to the fucking trail, tra- trailer tracks <laughs> to see a fucking... Uh... <laughs> exactly. It's not all going to be that. <clears throat> and And I think that's a fine line that's hard to ride for people. I, I, I agree with you. There's, if, if you find someone that can play an evil character correctly, it's still going to be a fun time for everybody mm-hmm. involved. He still may be helpful as fuck to the party. He may be helpful to people. He just might be, I don't care about your leave people alive morals. I'm going to do it my fucking way. Yeah. I've had that plenty of times playing a paladin where they've been like, the party's like, okay, behind his back, when he's not looking, we're going to gank these fuckers that were prisoners because they try to escape or something because they don't want to be arsed with it. And they're not turning against me. They don't want to turn against me. They're just like, I don't want this fucking extra pain in my ass because <laughs> just because he's got some principles. Yeah. yeah that, that's, like, that's, 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 that's called party interaction. That's fun. Yeah, like, <laughs> we have a character that uh, I got so into the moment that he thought I legitimately was getting mad at him and I was just role playing that hard at the moment. And so he like messaged me out of game going like, are we okay? I'm like, yes, no, 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 no. This is all within character because my character is convinced you're evil. (laughs) (laughs) And is tired of you arguing with them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh yes, that, that's sort of a style. Like I would say that that in our topic is a, is a place that not a lot of people use, because um, there's a lot of potentially misinterpreted. And sometimes, if you're going to be, I don't want to say blatantly evil, but I'll, I'll use the, the sort of blatantly evil, but not like antagonistic to the party. You may want to tell the party, like, "Hey, I'm playing the guy who's going to be evil. You guys are going to see me do shit. You're not going to like it. And it's okay. We're going to role play around it." So that way they're clear where you're coming from, like, so they're in on it, let's say. And that's the biggest yeah. thing. If you can have the whole party in on something, then have them in on something. That is totally not nice, Banyan. Spencer just plays a dick. He's not a dick. And it's just that one character, and maybe one of the other characters. And, and maybe that other one, too, but not generally. Yeah, I was going to say, um, this is the first time my my evil character is the first time I've ever done anything like that. But it was something that I had talked out with my DM from the get-go. Yeah. And and sometimes it's good just to have that character. People get used to your style. You know, John plays pretty much the good guy and all that. Then when I play something completely off-topic, I got a guy where it's like, we're playing and... and... The GM's role-playing one of the NPCs like he's a stoner. And an idiot. We're trying to get a rental car, and he's being obstinate and stupid. And I just, I look at the party leader, who is Norrin. I point at my silenced gun in my, uh, under my coat, and he gives me the nod. So I shoot him. He thought I was just going to threaten him, but that's sort of the thing. You know, those are those surprise fun moments where people are like, what? What just happened? <laughs> yeah, you know. like, we had talked about me do, taking, as I put it, the, the, the Daenerys Targaryen route where the likelihood of somebody trying to kill me along the way is pretty high. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's all in good fun. Like I said, if you can keep everyone in on it, well, that that's totally different. Actually, Vania, no, that wasn't against PCs. That was just fun role playing. Um, if you can get the other party members in on it, it's much more interesting. Yeah. You know, And, and I suggest that whenever possible, if you're going to do something different as a GM, you know, have your players, 
if you can get to the players in on it, if they're good enough role players or it's not something that needs to be hidden, get them in on it. I mean, this full surprise heel turn can be fun uh, if played right, but yeah. having them in on it's much more interesting. Because it's good role-playing at that point, you know? It's it's okay if we have meta-knowledge. My players actually are very good at not using meta-knowledge. Which I love. That's important. Yeah, that's... But that's another really... style thing you need to know about people, if they're good at it or not. Because I've met people who are... They say they're good at it, but you suddenly see them edging towards what they don't know, and you're like, hmm. I... I've had to curb that, and I'll just straight up be like, that's not something your character would know. Exactly. Or exactly. I'll just call him out and be like, that's enough metagaming. Like, you guys you guys are over-planning between I, turns. <laughs> I am, I'm much more subtle in that if they metagame and I catch them metagaming on something they shouldn't know, I just change the thing that they know <laughs> and make it completely different and something that fucks them. The troll actually needs snow to completely kill it, not fire. <laughs> Acid, not yeah. fire. Acid work. Yeah. Maybe you got to cut off its head and, and burn it, and but the rest of the body, you know, who knows? Just change stuff. Because we had that in one D and D game. Someone's like, "Oh, a troll, you gotta, you gotta burn them to do it." And someone's like, uh, "Do we know that? We're like second level. We should be running away from trolls, not fighting them." And we just happen to have some fire, and the GM's like. You would not know that. This is before there were skill checks. I know I'm old. Deal with it. Um, so, you know, that, that kind of stuff comes up. But that's sort of what playstyle it is, you know? You could also, I mean, a lot of games nowadays have, and this will go into part of our topic in a second, have some sort of function where you can spend some sort of inspiration or uh, points of some variety to do things. Um, you know, now, usually it's mechanically, theoretically limited to in-game stuff, but that doesn't mean you can't use it otherwise. And I tend uh, to gravitate to those sorts of games. So when I'm choosing games, I try to gravitate towards stuff that's a little more flexible like that. And if not, I tend to add something on the end. Um, you know, what kind of what kind of games do you gravitate towards? <laughs> I I know. When I run something, like I said, I usually like a more darker, more serious type game where and I always play, this is the story. There is a end to this story. How we get there is going to be a whole different story. But there is an end point. Please say story again. Story. Story? <laughs> story. Because I want to tell a story. So, um, and now I do like a bit darker games that are... I know you call them edge lord, but they're more drama field. I jokingly call them edge. Yeah, you do. You do I was jokingly. When vampire came out. Yeah, you do jokingly. It is. It is a joking manner. But yes, um, a, a bit more drama field, a bit more uh, role playing field, because that's the way I uh, like a lot of role. More field. soap opery, one might say, because could be. Say yeah. what you about soap operas? They are very dramatic. Yeah. Overly sometimes. But I also like, you know, when people have their characters show emotion. There's been so many games that I'll play, and it's like, I roll the dice, I don't hit. Go back to looking at something else. Yeah, so that's yeah. a good good point. But I think let's go through the, the games you choose. And there, what games do you kind of games you usually choose? Is there a mechanic, or is there something else um, that, like, makes a game that maybe someone else wouldn't choose become one that you want to choose? 
Um, for me, let's see. I'm hitting with the hard questions now. Sorry. <laughs> Stumpin' nerd. Um, I haven't played a whole lot of variety of role-playing games, so I'm going to go with Blades in the Dark because it, it, it allows like the whole planning backwards mechanic of, of flashbacks mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Like I absolutely love that. And it forces you to role play more in mm-hmm. between and like have conversations and all that kind of stuff in order to get things done. No, that's awesome. I, I love games that add uh, a role play mechanic to it though. Generally speaking, when I choose, I choose a game that's more, I look more mechanically at the game because, and I said this about 4th edition D&D because everyone went crazy, is like, I don't need a game to tell me how to roleplay. We're doing this for a minute. I under, Me and my team, we understand how to roleplay, so we don't need it. Like, extra stuff in there is good. I don't discount it, but what I look for is mechanically. That's why I go to either uh, champion slash hero games because quite literally, mechanically, I can do anything I need to. Or I go completely opposite of the crunch of that game and I go to something like uh, Feng Shui 2 where it's just like, it is super simple, and it becomes how you describe things so much more. And like you said, people just, like Gunther said, people roll their dice, missed, and go on. You describe it. Like, uh, I don't necessarily get to do it as much as I want. Sometimes I'm just doing too much, but I try to. Um, even when they're doing D&D with these, this new group every other Friday, they've been playing a bit, but I would describe, sometimes jokingly, sometimes fully seriously, what happens. And I'm not worried so much about the rules you you roll made a roll that hits let's make it sound cool you know or you can describe something i'm going to do this cool thing and you get a bonus and in fact in feng shui too if you don't if you just go i shoot him the first time it's okay yeah after that you're going to start getting a penalty because you're not acting it out you can go so far as like i diving roll spin up and land and on one knee and shoot him awesome that's good enough can i do a spin and shoot just Absolutely. If you do the spin and shoot, uh, just do it faster than they did it in fucking Book of Boba Fett. It'd be fine. Oh, I remember. I don't think I don't. I mean, I might yeah. need to rewatch that. Last episode, the, the one uh, scooter guy, like at that point, he does a spin and shoot. I knew exactly who the director was at that exact moment because I hadn't paid attention. I'm like, oh, that's Robert Rodriguez. I can fucking tell. <laughs> oh and it yeah. was okay i know which episode you're talking about now yeah yeah like just like book of Boba fett actually like it's fine i think it's actually a good idea of what an evil campaign would be because it's evil but it's benevolent evil like he's he's still a criminal overlord but he's like if you pay him homage and stuff it'll be fine i'm fine with that but there's a couple things in there the scooter chase was a little slow yeah <laughs> anyways but yeah I, I like describing things more and i think we lose that art sometimes. And I understand sometimes we're just busy. It's a lot going on. And as GMs more than anyone else, we need to look at that because you have too much going on and you, you are so worried about the details. You're not doing the little flourishes. That's what I love so much about watching um, Matt Mercer or Brendan Lee Mulligan or any of those people. They just, they're always ready. And I know they have prep time. This is a job for them. But I just love that they're ready and they have that flourish, that character, that voice, that something to add on to a game every fucking time. And it's great. I love that. 
And I think if anyone takes anything away from those things, don't look at just how professionally and polished that shit is. Look at the flourishes, not just the GMs put on there, but the players. Yeah. Look at that stuff, because you can you can emulate that stuff. You're not going to hit that level. Those are fucking professionals. Don't worry about that. But emulate it. Like when you look at art or a paint job, I want to emulate that. Do the same thing with the role-playing. It, it's good. And that's why sometimes you would like to choose a game that you're familiar with. And the play style, regardless of what you think your play style is, you should always start with a game you're familiar with or understand that you're taking on a lot. You know, you're familiar with Blades in the Dark. You can run that. Cool. Gonzo's familiar with a couple of different systems that he can run. I'm familiar with some systems. But sometimes you're going to play something you're not familiar with. You don't have that system master. Understand, stuff's going to feel weird. You're going to feel like you're not doing well for a bit. But yeah. try and ride it through. Or, you know, switch back. Like, we were doing uh, we were doing 4th edition for this last game I ran. And it just, I mean, I don't have the system master within it anymore. I like it, but just don't have it so we switched to something where i was a little more familiar and and it runs better sometimes just having that sometimes going to the simplest possible system and i'll say this for playstyle: if you know D, &D but you want to run something that's not D, D, don't just say oh well i can't run anything go out there to this wide world of people who have been in this hobby for forever and we will happily help you make a skin for D&D &D that is fucking whatever you want. Like, yeah. literally, I mean this more than anything. At John O. Spencer on Twitter. Just fucking reach out to me. I will help you. This is what I fucking do for a hobby for years. There was a long years where I didn't do miniature games. Just did role-playing games. Didn't play a lot of video games. It was role-playing games and making stuff for role-playing games. And it's just fun. If it's familiar to you, it'll help. Or, I mean, sometimes you want the challenge to go on something else. But play style-wise, I think you gravitate towards a game because it fits you. You understand it. You grok it, if you understand that meaning. That's a funny thing to say. <laughs> um, and, and sometimes you got to stick with it. You know? Gonzo and I will both shoehorn all sorts of genres that shouldn't necessarily be in a game into a game because we know it. Gone to a little less than me because he has like 7,000 role-playing games on his fucking show. <laughs> and I only have like 700. Yeah, because I mean... Like seven. <laughs> well, it's like somebody recently that says, hey, I'm looking to do a role-playing game, but I'm not sure what I want. And I go, let me ask a few questions. <laughs> yeah, that's where it goes. But that play style, like we are talking about, why we play the way we do, that is important because that's in your soul. There, We... we my old podcast, we had Ropagani on, and prior to it, he had said, playstyle, this isn't like on our cast, he said this in the wild, playstyle doesn't really exist. And then he's talking to miniature games. And that is bullshit. In everything, playstyle exists because there's a certain way your mind works, and if you're doing something in the way your mind works, even if it's not ideal, you do better. You'll see it when you play video games. You know, some people are fucking YOLO and it just works for them because you grok out of YOLO. You know the all all you know the way to make all offense and no defense work. Sometimes it's just the way it is. And it works for everything. Role playing games too. You just might understand the way that these mechanics work. They I may be like, those mechanics are a little complicated, and you might be like, nah, I totally understand it intuitively. It's great. Use that. Get used to uh 
filing off the serial numbers and using whatever. You know, I joked that I played a D, we played a D and D game of fourth edition with no dragons officially in the world. There were no dragons; they had left. But boy, did not my PCs fight a lot of dragons. <laughs> Just file the serial numbers off. Yep, so, I, I my my first homebrew was Dungeons and Dragons with no dragons. It's a common thing. It's sort of like it, I mean, it's the Dragonlance in me. You know, I love Dragonlance, and. The whole discovery of them coming back. It was part of the Big Raider story, and I won't go into it because I might run that campaign or that world again. And they've not yet resolved the whole thing, despite like multiple campaigns running there. In fact, technically speaking, Three Gnomes and a Half Giant ran in that, that campaign system too. So, um, Art of Michael Voice is kind of happy with Fourth Edition. Yeah, Fourth Edition D was just mismanaged. It's a good system. Don't overlook it. If you're if you have a bunch of war gamers, and here's a place that comes in. If you have a bunch of war gamers who like to role play. It's a great system for them because it has those elements. I like and the skill challenges of fourth edition. Yes, it's a great idea. Uh, I, they didn't really explain them perfectly. I think that was a writing issue, but I love the idea of them. But I love the fact that, you know, at the point we were running fourth edition, most of my group worked at Games Workshop. We were all war gamers. So having a war game on top of role playing, we would role play. There's plenty of role playing in our games. But having that wargaming system that we would rock and get into combat gave us more time to do it because we understand tact. We don't have to think about tactical move movement. We're just going, you know? So that gave us more time to do other things. Um, Xander Force is a Pope from more of a builder of a mafia for Boko Boba. Yeah, that'd have been nicer. But uh, Art of Michael Lavoie also says, I was happy to finally play a Star Wars game today. Three new players at the table. It was a riot. That is awesome. Nice. One of my buddies actually had asked me, Hey, John, what Star Wars rules do you recommend? And I'm like, Well, what games do you have? Because there are at least three different versions of actual Star Wars, whether it be the West End D6 system, very good, very underrated. You can find it pretty cheap online because it's like an OGL type of thing now. Uh, there's the Watsy D20 version. It's fine, but clearly the worst of the three. And then there's the new FFG one, which is good, but you might have a problem finding dice for it now because... Using the same dice as Genesis, and they've stopped making those, though there are Etsy to builders. And if you need to find those dice, just hit up John. John will point you in the right direction. Yeah. I, I um, actually ran the, mm -hmm. the Star Wars and the FFG, and it's it was game. great. And it was, it was a good campaign. I ran over a Genesis year. Genesis is a game that needs really more supplements to make it great. I really wish they would have done that, but let's just say COVID put a bullet in that shit. Yeah. Yeah, I like um, that one. That was a good fun system. He said it was Age of Rebellion. Age of Rebellion or um, Edge of the Empire are the two better ones because, I mean, Star Wars is a trap. Running anything in a universe that already exists is a trap. And I say that because it's really hard to do because your PCs need to have an effect on the outcomes. So you need to be small potatoes or willing to change the story and, you know, Age of Rebellion is good because your rebels fighting the Empire. You can have lots of victories and stuff that are mighty for you, but the Empire doesn't really fucking care and barely notices. So it doesn't affect the overall rebellion so much as more as keeping it good. Um, Edge of the Empire, you're playing fucking criminals and smugglers. There's plenty of room there. So you just got to be careful. Da -da -da. Let's see. Finish up some comments here. Xander Warlord says, Sometimes playing a game in a familiar area allows some people to play what they know and eases troubles, like playing a Shadowrun game in St. Louis, uh, Seattle. Absolutely. One of the best games we played was we had a San Francisco native 
uh, was in town. His wife was in the military. And I had, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I know San Francisco. So I'm like, oh, cool. I like to run San Francisco because it's a iconic city with a sort of, you know, rumored mystical undertone. So you can do a lot of cool stuff there. So the little flourishes he added as a player to my game was great. Nice. So knowing the area helps a lot because you know the ins and outs. Now I might have to tweak it a little bit, but that's all good. Uh, he says he ran Resident Evil in a Shadowrun. That's that's another perfect one. You oh know, yeah, you could, you could definitely run Resident Evil in Shadowrun. That that that's an easy, in my opinion, transfer over. Yeah, but yeah. So I mean, as a GM, you you really have to pay pay some idea to what you're comfortable with because it makes a difference. The more comfortable you are, the more stuff runs around and then you can do things the way I do them because we'll get to the third part I guess we got 10 minutes left is how I run games is I run very sandbox you know very rarely do I have a point A to point B you know which obviously you're not going to direct line because these are fucking players it's like hurting cats <laughs> but I very rarely have that I more of make it like we do a lot of superhero games put them in a city do stuff they're fighting crime and they'll have it it'll be like a comic book it really ends up being like a comic book. It's kind of great. You know, and I think while I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe, their real end problem was they had a point A to point B. And you notice how they reached point B, and now it's a lot more random people doing their shit, which I'm here for. But not everyone is, because it's a lot less focused. You're not, like, looking at that end point now. You're just, you know, you've got She-Hulk off doing her thing. Cool. <laughs> You hey. always had Daredevil off of his thing, and now you have, you know, whatever. Nerd, what about you? I mean, you, you're you're running a bunch of stuff, and you're actually starting a new campaign. Um, how do you like to run, and what do you like to run particularly? Um, so I, what I know is 5th edition. That was what I started running. Like, I played pathfinder for or first first edition pathfinder for five years i had to have my hand held the whole time because i just didn't quite get it once once i started playing fifth ed um i started running what was it tales of the awning portal and invited all dungeon masters people that had played whether they had played fifth edition or previous editions they'd all dm'd before so they were real, real patient with me. And then I decided that I was going to do homebrew. I decided that the best idea, lo and behold, best idea, um, quote unquote, it was to hand out magic items like candy at way too low <laughs> levels and turn everything into a pun. Like everything was a pun. Everything. Look, and and then this I campaign, talked to somebody I earlier to go... about my about my YA, which is Piers Anthony. And if you know anything about Piers Anthony and Xanth, it's fantastic. Yeah. So this campaign, I'm going in the opposite direction. It's set 200 years in the past, uh, and uh, it's. A much more serious tone and a low magic setting. So, and so there's I can't hand out magic items like candy. I can't. I I I I want them to be more serious, more invested. Yes, punishing is fun. 
I'll be honest, as an aside, I like low magic settings better because magic items mean something. Exactly. Exactly. If you get a sword that just gives you a bonus to hit, but it's got a cool name and backstory, fucking that's my sword now. Uh, I don't care. Yeah. Like, I'm planning to homebrew feats and powers that they may develop depending on choices that they make and all this sort of stuff. Venom12 says, no more Cthulhu. <laughs> hey, Venom, welcome in. No, no Cthulhu this time around. He, he was, he was, he was so cheesy. So cheesy. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Respect. <laughs> oh, oh, no, there's a whole, have I ever told you the story of Cthulhu? I think you told us in, like, our pre-pre-ramble at one point. <laughs> yeah, uh, is the elder god made of cheese and our warlock our fighter that ended up taking some levels in warlock to Cthulhu, uh claimed to be the second curding of cheeses <laughs> very well at least he's getting into the game he's into the right spirit yeah <clears throat> alright so here's before we go and get started in the media section uh, I wanted to ask this um you're in a fantasy setting and you get to play. You're not running. Mm. What are your two choices of characters that you're going to build? Don't even worry about what everybody else is building. Just like, I'm going to be playing. I'm going to play this stuff. I want to, there's two choices. What are you, what are the two choices? John? I only work in hypothetical situations that could fucking happen. Well, this is going to fucking happen. <laughs> <laughs> so choose two characters, I, classes that Gonzo. you might. Are we talking like classic D and D here? I don't even fucking know, honestly. I don't get to play games. <laughs> I really don't. I don't uh, think could, what characters it, it, I could play because it's not going to happen. It could be any any fantasy setting, but like, what are your like your styles that go in for? Um, assassin or um. Some sort of, like, magical mishap. Like a wild mage or something? What? Yeah, like a wild mage or, uh, like, my goblin character, her panic button was Arms of Hadar in the middle of the party. So I made friends real fast. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Like, yeah. Either either chaos or like, not necessarily evil, but somebody that's like super skilled and super like determined on like one path. Hyper focus or no focus. <laughs> <laughs> I I go the two ends of the spectrums. I like playing bards, especially now. The, the bards or classes are much better than they have been any other time. Um, charismatic, get you in trouble type bard. Um, and then Paladin. <gasps> Popper! Hey, Tyson. What are you doing, buddy? Um, and, I, and I like playing Paladins. But I don't like playing, like, lawful stupid Paladins. I hate when people over-exaggerate, you know, the lawfulness of a, of a Paladin type thing. So... 
those are my two that I usually go for. Is Awful Good is a pretty strict alignment on purpose. Yes. But that's the reason why I say lawful stupid. Some people just take it. Some people like lawful good and go, oh, I can't breathe right now because of, you know, whatever reason type thing. So, all right. That's just stupid. I yeah, that's what I'm saying. At that point. <laughs> all right. So what are your two favorite worlds to run, John? If you have a choice, you got to pick two RPGs to run. What are your two favorite RPGs to run? Um... Well, definitely superheroes is number one because I mean I've run a ton of superhero games, and Gonzo can't hear me. I said superheroes for my first one, Gonzo. Sorry, I had to lock um, the door. Yeah, superheroes. I don't know about the second one because honestly, I don't know that we've done enough. Um, I will flux away between fantasy and sci-fi for the other ones, but those are sort of the three main genres as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> we don't want to do any horror because it's really hard to run horror properly. You have to have the right party, and yeah. Mostly superhero. Okay. Nerd? Um, I've really only run one game, so I think if I had a chance to run a second game, it would be Blades of the Dark, aside from D&D. Cool. Uh, I like high fantasy, and if it's not a high fantasy, I like modern fantasy, or like modern... like. I wouldn't say modern fantasy is about the best way to put it. Would probably be the best. I don't mind horror too much, but like it's a world of darkness type thing, not not Cthulhu-ish type stuff. I don't care for the Cthulhu or anything of that nature. But yeah, so you're much more Dresden-ish. Yes, very much like a Dresden type, which I played a really cool Dresden game that I wish I could have played more of. Have you ever played Urban Shadows? No. It's a Powered by the Apocalypse game. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know the system. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that that one's got that contemporary urban fantasy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I like urban fantasy, stuff like that. Um, World of Darkness, Dresden File style type thing would work out really well. Gotcha. Well, Xander um, Voice says he likes modern super sci-fi or industrial age, and Venom 12 likes like he's in D&D or Castles of Shade to do grimdark fantasy, or like to do high sci-fi. Yeah, I don't like to run a lot of science fiction. Um, but I will. I mean, I did a good Star Wars campaign, and I got a friend of mine, his heavy gear campaign, or his heavy gear books are uh, RPGs coming out. And so I'll look into that and see if maybe if I want to, but I'm not sci-fi is not usually my go-to on stuff. Well, sci-fi makes a lot of game, a lot of things harder to do. Yeah. Like even modern, let's be honest, cell phones have made even mysteries and suspense slightly more difficult than they used to be. Yeah. Uh, Legion says you like the Mistborn system. I bought the Mistborn system. I never got to play it. And then of course, after I was done with it, I traded away to somebody. Oh, uh, yeah. The Heavy Gear RPG is, last time I talked to Nick, they are on the way to the printer. So we should be getting it pretty soon. Cool. Uh, let's go ahead and go over to the media. Because I know John, since, you know, <laughs> since John has, like, you know, been away and everything, and we didn't get to talk about anything last week, he's got, like, ten things, I'm sure. 
Um, and since finally, uh, I have the exact same number of things to talk about <laughs> as I had last week, since I didn't really have a chance to watch anything this week. Um, and then I'm sure Nerd has like 75 things because she was gone for two weeks. She. <laughs> Uh, I only have one, two, three, four, five, six things to talk about. I wish I could remember what one of the movies was that I watched, but I fell asleep watching it, so I can't remember what it was. <laughs> uh, I pulled a Gonzo and I wrote mine down because I realized I was forgetting one of them very much. Yeah, I usually write down or text myself what I've watched after I've watched it and was like, hmm, yeah, this is going to have to work. Um, so I'm going to watch, I watched something purely because I wanted to torture myself and John is such a huge fan of the franchise that I had to, and I had to watch it and Wait, I said franchise, so it's not cats. So we're okay. <laughs> um, I don't and... think they made an Atlantic room too. So he's probably still okay. <laughs> so I decided to watch fast X. Um, holy fuck. Okay, so we know that reality and physics left this movie. But th- those oh, two no, no, bitches, no, no. They, they, they didn't write this a love letter. The reason physics broke up a long time ago is they're <laughs> hate-fucking anyone else they can just to get back at the other one. Yeah. There was, I'm watching this and I'm like, the fuck? The hell? No, that would... I mean, he launches his car off to hit a crane, to swing the crane around, to hit something, to knock it off somewhere else, and the car, after it hits the crane, lands and he drives off. And I'm like, yeah, motherfucker. Mean, that's on track. I'm yeah, like, that totally tracks. Like, I'm like, like, I'll be honest, if, if you have that problem with this movie, you should not have watched this fucking movie. Yeah, I was watching it because I knew it was going to be a problem. I, kn- I knew I was going to watch it and I'm like, this is so dumb. This you have to so, turn so that, to your bra- that part of your brain oh, yeah. off. It's just there for enjoyment. Yeah, I, I just I looked at it and I'm like, man, if I was an eight year old kid, this would be the coolest shit in the world to watch, because you know, that's where the you know the the physical mentality of this like just turn your brain off has to go. You have to forget all of that. The lines in this were so so cheesy. I was just waiting for everything to just be family. Family, <laughs> family, and it was. They've actually, yeah, I mean, they've actually laid off it a little bit. It's not like you're gonna die doing a drinking game every time they say family. I just advise <laughs> against it if you like to be sober. Yeah, I mean, and it is a part one of two. Um, they have one more coming out, and it's gonna be the end, supposedly the end of the series. Uh, and I'm like, I, I it's too bad they had a perfect ending. After Paul Walker passed, if they'd oh, yeah. done that movie and if they'd ended it then, that would have been perfect in the series. They didn't need to do anything else. Yeah. No, but they had to keep making money. I mean, yeah, this tri- about that. Th- th- this this is better than the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I mean, this this is so much better. And all- I mean, like well, I said, the real problem with this series is that Rock is be- it's not the Rock that that the Vin Diesel has become the worst part of it. Yeah. Like early on, Vin Diesel was Vin Diesel, and he he he, he and Paul Walker carried that. Since Paul Walker passed, Vin Diesel has been the worst part of it. Like honestly, early on, when when Vin Diesel 
does a heel turn because he has to in the uh, one where they jump the submarine. Eight, I think it is. <laughs> like, having a team with The Rock was much more enjoyable than having Vin Diesel in it. Yeah. So. Yeah, th- th- I mean, this this movie was bad. It's just horrible. I mean, even the plot is bad. I hear Jason Momoa fucking is great, though. He's, like, he's funny as shit. And he's he's his character is so over the top. You're just like, okay, at least this guy's he over the top. He knows what movie he's in. Yes. Like, there's, like, we talk about this all the time. So It's okay if you know what movie you're in. Yeah. And he's way, way over the top in this. And you can tell. He knows it. But Vin Diesel doesn't. Vin Diesel thinks that this is Oscar-worthy, you know, performancing type stuff. And I'm just like... Or he's just phoning it in. Yeah. No, I don't think he is. I think he just has isn't connected with reality anymore. Because I'll be honest, ever since pretty much the third Riddick movie, where you're just like, yikes, dude. This is a little much. Yeah. But, I mean, I watched it, and, you know... Everything's CGI'd. Everything's so overly CGI'd. It's not even funny. Well, yeah, they're doing stuff you can't do with a real car. They're doing stuff that you can't. That, that, even stuff you can do with a real car, they weren't even doing it with a real car. Well, I mean, that's a problem. <laughs> uh, so, on a, a rating of uh, Space Herpes, yeah, this is like a four. Um, this is bad. Like I said, reality and physics, those bitches didn't even write up a breakup letter or anything. They just ghosted it. <laughs> They're gone. <laughs> They're, they don't even exist. They're extinct. And the characters are not fun. The characters are not interesting. It's just there. It's bad. That's a strong endorsement for a movie. I should go watch that right now. <laughs> John, what's your first one? Uh, well, I'm going to talk about a Netflix original movie, uh, Hidden Strike, which had potential because it stars Jackie Chan and John Cena. Okay. And like off that, I'm like, I'll watch it. Now, it is good to say this is a Chinese production. Um, it's in English, but it is a, you know, all the production companies are Chinese. Um, and the basic idea is Jackie Chan is the leader of like a mercenary military group. And he's got to get scientists and workers out of a uh, oil refinery in the Middle East, where apparently there's been lots of combat and shit. Uh, get them out unharmed. Uh, and then John Cena is like a guy who lives in that area now, used to be special forces. And he leads his team, including his brother, uh, against them. And then, of course, they have to team up because that's the way these movies go. I had to write this movie down because it is very forgettable. Like, John Cena and Jackie Chan have good chemistry together. But Jackie Chan's old and he can't do the action he used to do. Some of the scenes in it are fun, a little out of place for the movie, which is, has a generally slightly more serious bend. Um, yeah, it's just it's just forgettable. None of the action is amazing. I don't look at any of the scenes going, I want to see that scene again. I got there and I was like, huh, well, that was a movie I watched. <laughs> um, I think Johnson has made great uh, strides in his acting but I find some of his older movies more enjoyable than this not just because there's the movies are more interesting so I, I'm going to give this a three it's not offensive 
It's also not good. You'll watch it and go, ah, that was a movie I watched. It had some action. It was okay. Luckily, it comes with Netflix, so you're not playing for it. <laughs> Nerd? All right. I'm trying to figure out which one to start with, because there was a lot of rewatches. If you um, had a disappointing one, I think that'd be the first. Okay. Busy, don't you here's here's my hot take. I don't like Starship Troopers. <laughs> Do you so, mean like the first one? There was more than one. Oh yes. Oh, 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 oh we're there. <laughs> okay, yeah, the first one. Uh, um, so yeah, we 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 watched that uh, at Disney Con. Uh, that's like Casper Van Diem's Shining Monument. <laughs> that's about it. It's also, so, fucking like, Michael it, Ironsides is great. Okay, as a cult classic, it's totally there. As a cult classic, it's totally there. It just never grabbed me the way that it did a lot of people my age. That's because it's Verhoeven, and Paul Verhoeven is all about social commentary through the most violent means. Robocop, Total Recall, this, they're all scathing social commentary. I didn't realize that was all the same person. Yeah, he's all the same person. And honestly, I would say Starship Troopers is clearly the worst of those three. But it's scathing social commentary, you know, in there. It's, it's... I can't fault someone for not liking yeah. it. It's... Like, I get what they were trying to do. It just, it's kind of one of those meh movies yeah. to me. Yeah. Uh, so I give it, I give it two. It was a pretty decent rating. I would, wouldn't give it much more than two myself, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. One and a half, two. Because yeah. it's got good points. Some of the parts don't stand up anymore. But I'll be honest. Let's say I would give it a two, but then Michael Ironside and um, Clancy Brown take half yes. off so it gets one and a half because I love both of them. <laughs> okay, fair, fair. And then Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris is good in it too. Um, Denise Rogers is in it. I like Dina Meyer better. Yeah. I forgot Lori Petty was also in it. Is she? I think. Was that what we were watching? What was I watching? No. Lori Petty in it. Was that Tank Girl? No, it wasn't Tank Girl. It definitely wasn't Tank Girl. Now was it, must it, be the, um, it must be the movie. I couldn't remember what it was that I watched. I'm trying to think of what has Lori Petty in it that would remotely get confused with that. And it's that. not um, in the army now. Hold on. Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze. Is it that one? No. I can't bring the that. She's IMDb in it. Okay. Yep. All right, while you're working right, that one, up. I'll go with mine. Um... So, watching new things that are on streaming, I watched the new TMNT Mutant Mayhem. Um, I don't watch yet. It's on my list, but... Yeah, I'm not going to spoil, because this one's, you know, actually got some stuff in it. And this is the movie that the soundtrack is much better than the movie. Uh, and the oh. soundtrack is actually, the way the songs are put in, are done really, really well. And I've heard that as well, and I've heard a couple tracks, and I... They're not necessarily my normal genre, but I dug them. Yeah, they, they fit in. And the reason why I say this is because, and, and I laugh because when I first heard of this person's name, they were just starting out in the music industry, and I really liked their music. And now they're doing, like, music for this movie. They did the music for the, um, uh, 
the Watchmen TV series, which was a good TV series. Uh, and it's Trent Reznor. Trent Reznor yeah. was buying it. And he does, he is just kicking the shit Mark out Mother's of it. Mark from fucking Devo does yeah. fucking soundtracks now. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it, it was a good soundtrack. The movie, the movie was just okay. Um, it, it, it was just there. I, I didn't care too much for, you know, who was, you know, doing what and how they were doing it. And the story was just, it was just okay. It was just meh, in my opinion. Uh, artwork was okay. I mean, it was a new take that was kind of a clay animation style, you know, non-clean like line of the animation yeah. because it's, it's different. I like the style. Yeah. I also love the fact that they fucking let them have the proper time to make it. They didn't run a fucking sweatshop like most other studios. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it was just okay. Um, soundtrack to me, I think was better than the movie and I enjoyed the soundtrack a whole lot more. Um, Will they have more episodes? Uh, will they do another one? Probably. Probably Cause there is thing done on a cliffhanger um, type stuff. And there is a, an after credit scene, which they'll probably do it. And I hope they do because I mean, I, more turtles is always good, and uh, uh, meh, more turtles is better than no turtles at all. <laughs> so it gets it gets my two to two and a half space RPs uh, type thing. Well, it's just okay. Let's be honest; it's not like any turtles movie has really broken one and a half to two. Yeah, none of them. No, John. Uh, next one I watched was a new one to me. Was Moneyball. With uh, oh. Brad Pitt and uh, what's his name? Nerdy guy. I know who you're talking about, but I totally forgot. Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill, yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, that guy. Yeah. Uh, it's got other actors in it, but those are the two main characters. And I really enjoyed it. I mean, I'd seen some clips and all. Um, I finally got to see Chris Pratt not just be Chris Pratt. <laughs> He wasn't in it a lot, but it, he was interesting in it. Um, I understand based on true story doesn't mean it, the, everything in it is true, but I like I like the way it was portrayed. I thought it did a good job. A little scattershot at point going into uh, Brad Pitt's character's life when you didn't need all of that. I think they were trying to show what he was risking by doing what he did. But no, I very much enjoy it. I, I think it was a great pickup for... I think I paid two bucks for the DVD, so I mean it was a fucking great pickup for two bucks. Yeah. Um, well, we got that local place that does use DVDs and stuff still, so it's great. Just go in and find some used DVDs. Uh, I enjoyed the crap of it. I give it uh, one and a half. I thought it was a little oddly paced at points, and the the style of it was occasionally off putting. You wanted different stuff necessarily than it gave you, but that wasn't the story it was telling. Maybe I just wanted different stuff than it gave me. But it was still very enjoyable. I thought Jonah Hill and Brad. I think every actor, even the uh, the baseball scouts, I've had some actual baseball scouts in there. I think they actually did a great job, you know, portraying their roles. And they and I like also that they didn't necessarily say, "Hey, scouts are wrong." They made it clear it's just this is the way they're going to build the team because they have no money. So <laughs> I, I enjoyed the crap out of it and uh, recommend it if you get a chance. If you like baseball at all. Baseball. Nerd. Uh, I rewatched Bubba Hotep. <laughs> I have not seen Bubba Hotep, but I don't. Talk about a good soundtrack, though. 
score that is. Chef's kiss. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't watched that. Uh, this was only the second time I'd ever seen it. I saw it when I, I, I heard about it years and years and years ago, but never got a chance to watch it. It is on my list. Virtually, it apparently. is. It is a delight. Um, it doesn't take it. I mean, it's it's a Bruce Campbell movie. It does not take itself too seriously. Well, and Ozzy Davis playing J, a black man who who claims to be JFK with a bag of sand in the back of his head is probably the best character in that movie. <laughs> this delightfully quirky is what I've heard about it. Yes, it is delightfully quirky. It's kind of gross at times, but I mean, it's a B-horror movie. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, sort of my style. Also, uh, Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell's a fucking national treasure. Oh, yeah. And it is a travesty that he has not gotten to do more movies than he did. So I give that one a solid two because it's definitely not his best work, but it's definitely up there amongst his better stuff. I'll be honest. I would watch something because Bruce Campbell isn't. I'll be honest. I watched Burn Notice partially because Bruce Campbell was in it. And that was uh, a fucking yes. great call. Same, same. Um, Gonzo? So I took a ta- uh, was looking forward to this TV series, really wanted to watch it, couldn't wait for it. I'm really disappointed. Um, I watched The Continental. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. So, the first episode is an hour and a half long. Every episode is an hour and a half long. And it's only a three-part episode. It's three parts. It's it's boring as shit. It is so boring. I I haven't even thought about going to watch the second episode because I know it's going to be an hour and a half. And I'm like, it really is not good. And I really hate that because I was really looking forward to this. Because uh, I like the John Wick universe and I wanted to do it. I mean, it's based in what the 70s. Series? Oh, I was going to watch uh, fucking uh, Twisted Metal at the same time. Yeah. Hmm. And I was, I'm not, I probably won't go back to it. This is one of the first shows that I, I probably will because I'm a sucker for Wait, punishment. Shock. And, are you telling me that John Wick universe is not as good without John Wick? John Wick? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, it could well, have anyway, been, though. None, they, of those, none of those people are in it, though. You don't have uh, Ian McShane no. or anybody. No. Uh-uh. It could have been, though. It could have been really good. And the trailers they got for it look pretty good and fun. The action in it is just okay. It's just... And I was looking forward to learning about the universe you know the john wick universe and the john wick thing i really really am sad about this um this is getting like a 3.5 for me it's just not good no 3.5 one episode in there are two episodes that could change his mind correct i'm gonna try to watch the second episode but if the second episode i'm just like i mean especially if there's an hour and a half long that is harsh yeah, that's oh. a lot. Yeah, Andrew doesn't like John Wick universe. I mean, technically it doesn't work, but I love the John Wick movies. Those guys. Yeah. I mean, we talked about that last week on top five movie yeah. franchises. <laughs> but you know, I was like looking forward to it, like, okay, what are they going to do? How does this? Why is the Continental set up? Why you know what's the history of it? And it's just it's like a bad, bad, bad. So it's all the reasons why I say prequels are stupid. Yeah, this is just not good. Hmm. 
John, what's your next one? Uh, my last one is I rewatched The Expendables 3. Okay. Uh, I will still maintain that is the best movie in that trilogy. Well, there's four of them. I haven't seen the fourth one yet. But it's the best of the first three. They each have flaws. I think this one's flaws are more easily ignored and are generally less annoying. Uh, it's the PG-13 version. It's not rated R, which is good because the fucking bloodshed they had in the earlier ones was not great. It was CGI. It was yeah. terrible. Um, but I love the idea of him getting a new team and going out because he doesn't want to get the, er, the earlier one killed. Which, I mean, honestly, I could go on a tirade about why I think that's a flaw with a movie series called The Expendables. <laughs> no one fucking die, really, except for the co-star of the week. But um, I enjoyed this. I thought Stallone, all of his crew give good, pretty good performances. Um, it's Randy Kocher's best performance of the three, which is not saying much. He doesn't get much to do, but he makes the most of it this one. Um, having Wesley Snipes in it, Wesley Snipes is fucking going, and I love it. He is being delightfully awkward and crazy. That befits his character. Um Generally, you watch this just because you like good action, but I love how they bring everyone in. You know, everyone they bring in is enjoyable. The, the younger crew is pretty enjoyable overall, even if they're, I mean, clearly they're setting up, a, you know, a, a sequel without Sylvester Stallone, but didn't go anywhere, which is fine. You don't need to. Harrison Ford is a clear upgrade over Bruce Willis. All respect to Bruce Willis fans. This is, I mean, obviously something with Bruce Wait, Willis. They, they, they brought in Harrison Ford. Yeah, Harrison Ford and the third one as opposed to Bruce Willis because Bruce Willis was doing being the, like the CIA guy who they talked to, mm. and this one they say he's been reassigned because he wanted too much money. And then, uh, but then they get Harrison Ford, and Harrison Ford's he's growling his way through it, but he's enjoyable. Um, most of the new people were enjoyable. I mean, stand out um, to I don't remember actors' names, but uh, their hacker guy is super fun. He played in uh, Maverick also. Um, all of them are decent. The action scene, like the end, the last 40 minutes of the movie or so is just, or I guess it's technically it's a half an hour of movies. It's like one giant action scene. Antonio Banderas is fucking great. He is enjoyable as hell in the whole movie. Uh, I, don't I'll be honest. That. I give this the highest rating. I give this a one and a half. It is a fun comfort movie with lots of named actors in it. Just given performances, Arnold Schwarzenegger is doing a good job. Um, I love it. Neither of those guys take themselves too seriously anymore. Him or Sylvester Stallone. It's just a fun movie with a shout out to Antonio Banderas for stealing the show when he's in it. <laughs> Even Ronda Rousey puts in a pretty good, pretty good performance. Under. Uh, I tried tried watching a TV show <laughs> called we'll try it Will. Again. Will uh, about uh, William Shakespeare. Except for they over-glamorized everything. It was just pretty people in their drama. You don't give a, like... Oh, I'm looking at the cast. Yeah, I see that. I see that. Yeah, it's just a bunch of pretty faces with not great acting, and you don't really care about the main characters. Like, I got three episodes in and just went, meh. Yeah, it seems that way looking at it. I'm like, eh, lots of pretty people. If they can act, oh, they can't act. Fuck it about. Yeah. I would do. Yeah. Well, like, it's, it's too bad, but 
It's got some. It's got some actors that are capable of doing better, but they, the roles that they put them in are just awkward. So, uh, I give this one three and a half. Oh wow! Hmm. So what a lower rating you've given it. Anything? I know. <laughs> Normally, I have better taste. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can't all choose winners. I know. Um, I can go two more. Uh, anybody you else have anything have else? Five minutes, so you're probably gonna get one more. But go ahead. Nah, it'll probably be two. I got something else. Nerd, you got anything else? Okay, so I, I'm gonna give a quick one. I watched the new Little Mermaid because uh, I've I was gonna give it a new chance. Yeah, that sucked. It's just plain and simple. It was bad. It it, it was not good. It didn't follow the story. It was not acted very well. It was just not good. I was not impressed. I was not happy with it. Um, I'm sorry about that because it could have been something good. Even the music wasn't even done right. Uh, the songs weren't even done correctly. Um, it just was not. It, it was very boring, very slow. Um Hopefully this will put a bullet in Disney's live action remakes of animated stuff and they can actually go to something more original. Well, we got a new one coming out called Wish that I'm hoping is going to do good. But, um, so I do not recommend the new Little Mermaid. It was not good at all. Um, it's... I'll take that off my list. Yeah. Wait, it wasn't there. Yep. <laughs> I do have one more. Okay. Oh, she's got one more. I'll, I'll give another one that's quick because I can't give a rating for it because it just started today. Or this weekend, and um, Generation V started up, which is a spinoff of The Boys. Um, yeah, John, I already see John rolling his eyes. <laughs> I like The Boys. That is on my list of things to watch. Uh, John I, V is on my list of things to watch. I don't mind the people like The Boys uh, as a super as a superhero and comic book fan. I think yeah. it's been done better in the past by better writers. Yeah. Um, the first three episodes came out. They're actually pretty decent. They're actually pretty good. Um, I, I'm going to give it a more chance. I'm hoping that it doesn't go into the CW field because it is young adults, uh, in this and I don't want it to, you know, get all CW E. but, uh, it's interesting. Characters are interesting. It's powers are pretty cool. It is your typical boys type thing. So there's blood and guts and sexuality and weird shit going on. So you got to be prepared for it, but, uh, I'm enjoying it so far. Nerd. Uh, I finally watched the Barbie movie. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, it was better than I expected. Um, <laughs> that is I the thought... most common rating. Yeah. Yeah, it was much better than I expected, and it hit me right in the feels like everybody kept telling me it would. Um, I, I thought it was very well acted. Um, okay. I, I think the bromance between uh, the two Kens... Uh, Ryan Gosling and the guy who played uh, Shen Chen from uh, and the Five Rings. I can't remember. I don't know the actor's name. I'm terrible okay. at this. Um, yeah. Uh, there's like everything, and like everything is researched to be accurate to like historic Barbie historically. But I also know that they did the thing of like everything is pink. So, like, they ran the industry out of pink paint for a while. Yep, they did. <laughs> That's funny. 
but without spoiling anything, it's it's quite good. I give it, I give it half. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, literally, I would watch if it came on for free. If I had you know nothing else yeah. pending, I mean it's. I mean, no, shit, it's, it's worth a watch. It's it's a, it's definitely fun. I sat there and watched the fucking emoji movie fucking way back when, so <laughs> I could watch Barbie. Because uh, I had an hour and a half to kill and I was unemployed. It wasn't as bad as you think. It also wasn't good. Well, guys, that's uh, our show. Um, we are going to be sending you off to uh, Rick is Not a Ferret playing uh, some games. Um, and we'll send you off to there. Um, guys, please take care of yourself. Spoiler, he might actually be a ferret. He might actually be a ferret. But just don't say that. Um, don't say that. Tell him I told you to. No, tell them Banyan told you to. Tell them Banyan told you to. That's even better. Uh, tell yeah. Banyan said to say he's, a, he's really a ferret. Yes. Yes. Guys, we really appreciate you listening. Um, appreciate you uh, contributing to the channel, hanging out with us, everything that you do on Facebook and all of our other feeds. Um, we will be releasing uh, some episodes of uh, Past the Paint Water. So, we've been promising for a while. Yeah, we we're, we're going to make just... him do it. We're going to make him do it. Nerd and I are going to go to Gonzo and force him to do it. We're going to hold him down <laughs> at his keyboard until he fucking releases them. And we're going to get some more in there, too. But, like always, Look out for each other. Um, make sure you're not getting anyone else sick. Um, make sure you're taking care of yourself physically, mentally, socially, and also check in on your friends every once in a while. Um, if you see something, say something. If you hear something, do something. If you can do something, do it. And if you can't, find someone that will. For more than dice, I'm Gonzo. I'm John. I'm Nerd. Good. Good night. Make sure you hit that raid button.